Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets. 800-871-3291. 800-871-3291. Again, that's 800-871-3291. The following is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for Radiolawtalk.com with your host, Frederick Penny, attorney at law. And now... RadioLawTalk.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Radio Law Talk. Filling in for Fred Penny today, I'm Todd Cunin, seated to the place of usual prominence. So bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You know, she came in today, and, and I felt like I needed a tranquilizer dart just to bring the energy level down. Denise Dirks, how are you? I'm doing great, and I was real excited today to get here. And I was early, you guys. She wa- I noticed that. I noticed that you were here earlier than you usually are, which means it's not football early. It's not ten minutes before the meeting starts. It's Denise early, which is you know a couple of minutes early, and that's fine. Exactly, exactly. And and those look the smooth melodic sounds that you just heard is that's the voice of cal hunter behind the glass that's funny <laughs> he says yeah that's funny shut up todd just keep talking so yeah um fred penny on assignment this is the last radio law talk episode before santa comes down the chimney next saturday is the 25th of december and so he will have come down the chimney in many locations or if you happen to live in a town home that doesn't have a chimney or because of fire hazard maybe he's got a universal key can come in through the front door i don't know i don't i don't represent santa okay <laughs> yet <laughs> on, on 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 the uh, allegations of home invasion you know maybe uh, i don't too much cheer too, while he's yeah. driving His the nose sleigh. Is red. I, th- I think you can get busted for DUI driving DSUI driving sleigh under influence. Uh, well, well, here's the question that I have about that. All right, so if you know, we've had this discussion about these self-driving cars. Yes. Okay, and and if a car was truly 100 percent self-driving, it'd be kind of hard to make a DUI if the car made all the decisions and the driver could do nothing. You're essentially a passenger in the car. Unless it was programmed by a drunk. <laughs> now it's what? Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I want to do the rim shot. I hit the wrong button. Unless it was programmed by a drunk. Uh, yeah, yeah, he means to turn right up here. So 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 yeah, so my question here is the the more that somebody has 
the ability to take over control over those self-driving cars, the more liable they would be for DUI, all the way up to uh, somebody who has no self-driving car and they are in 100% complete control. So I guess the question that I have is, what degree would Santa on the sleigh fall in that in, in that uh, line there? I mean, are the are the reindeer completely autonomous? Well, I'll tell you, I have been portraying the saint for the last week at a, at a very prominent museum in Redding, California. They just got some national play, uh, and I will tell you this much: this particular Santa Claus. Not a problem, but many that I have seen. <laughs> <laughs> Too much ho, ho, ho. Exactly. Well, well, now, now let's not get into the Vegas, <laughs> Las Vegas. Oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> and yes, the reindeer are programmed. They just go where they need to go. Because if I remember the story correctly, it was a, a foggy Christmas Eve. Right. And apparently it was fog that covered the entire globe. <laughs> but it was that foggy Christmas Eve, uh, you know. Santa couldn't see, so Rudolph had to light the sleigh, and the and the reindeer went. And so, I mean, I don't think that Santa could see anything. So maybe it is completely autonomous. I'm telling you, it is. Okay. Right. <laughs> and either way, this is still our last radio law talk before Christmas. So of the whole year, I would think that uh, could be could because be. we got Christmas then New Year's on Saturday. Oh, yes, we do. And, you know, good heavens, we can't possibly do a show on New Year's. Right? So, uh, we can't. <laughs> I know where I'm going to be. <laughs> with, with an ice bag on your head. <laughs> I'm teasing, of course. I got your foggy Christmas Eve. That was the name of the drink I had. So, um, That's a good one. Yeah. So, so, look, some stuff's been going on in the news, uh, legal-related, and we will be covering that. Harvey Weinstein, you know, just when you thought you had said it all about Mr. Weinstein, back in the news for, and I'm not going to say I told you so, but I'm going to say I told you so. We could kind of see this one coming. What else do we got here, Denise? We've got... Um, We've got more of Elizabeth Holmes, and she testified, and now it's gone to the jury. That's right. That's the Theranos case. we got a lot of subpoenas coming out uh, regarding the Rust Yes, Dumb. Alec Baldwin, subpoena out for his cell phone. We'll talk about the significance of that. Because it's the holidays, a quasi-PSA, we're going to talk a little bit about driving under the influence of alcohol, the effect that it can have, um, and things like that. Cal has some questions he's going to pose to us. I do. And, uh, and we might see the terms of a secret settlement between Epstein and the accuser of Prince Andrew. Really? I know that. Yeah. That was interesting, especially since, well, wait a minute. I mean, how can an agreement between the deceased and the accused protect a third party? But I guess we'll see how that's going to play out. We also have what most people, what most people show up for and what most people tune in for is case or no case. Cal, do you have one ready for us? Here? Of course I do. Are All you right. kidding me? That's, uh, that's now it's right time there. to play Case or No Case. Yay! Sandra Grundig was an office worker, competent but easily expendable, and she knew that. In fact, the very idea that she was lacking qualifications made her angry. Well, in fairness, everything made Sandra angry, and that was a problem. One day in her job at the local public utility, she showed her anger at a customer, and her boss overheard the end of her telephone conversation. He said, Sandy, we can't talk to customers in that way. Sandy replied, if it wasn't for these stupid customers, I'd have a really good job. She was fired from customer service that same day. 
And she went to see her friend to commiserate, and her friend said, you know, you have an anger problem. I think you lack impulse control, and some people consider lacking impulse control a disability. Sandy thought about it, and she said, you know what? Maybe I do lack impulse control. So she went to her personal attorney and asked if she might have a claim against her former employer, as they did not even offer an attempt to compensate or accommodate for her anger issues. She asked case or no case. And Todd, I'm going to start with you. There is no amount of trying to not make eye contact with Cal <laughs> that will prevent Cal from calling on you first. It's like it's like when you're at an intersection and and you want to go first. You know, if I just don't make eye contact with the other driver, then I don't have to yield. Okay, I see how it goes. Did you say this was a public utility, Cal? A, yes, a municipal utility. A actually. municipal like a garbage company. It's not okay. Kind of all right, a municipal utility, mm-hmm. and and she got mad during customer service. Uh, and 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 they fired her because yeah. of her anger issues. Yeah. How long ago was this? Do we know? Let me see. I did not write the year down, so I. So I when do you were when know. you were making this up, you didn't bother to to uh, pontificate <laughs> okay. on the year. 2019. Does that make okay? 2019. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> see, he, here's here's the thing. Um, if it's a public utility or a municipal agency, there is the protections as a civil servant and progressive discipline and not the you're to a certain extent unless you're on probation um you just can't be fired in most instances because so you have civil service protection as an employee of a governmental or a public agency and so because of that while i don't think that she would necessarily win on a claim solely claiming hey Anger is a disability, and you fired me because of a disability. I do think she would prevail on a claim that you terminated me without providing progressive discipline and an opportunity to get my behavior in order because she worked for a public utility. I didn't say they didn't do that. Okay. And because of all of that, and because you just threw out 2019. (laughs) I did. I just barfed it right out there. 2019. I'm going to say no case. Okay, fair enough. Denise, what do you think about this? Or do you want to wait till after the break? We're 30 seconds out. So. Well, I'm kind of thinking I need to wait a little bit and weigh my options. Think about strategic moves. I think we should only let her wait if she promises to dance and sing along with the song playing in the background right now. All I want for Christmas is you. you yes. have a great song. My wife last night said, you know, I only know one line of this song. And I said, honey, that's all you need. <laughs> 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 all right. We'll be back on Radio Law Talk. Stay tuned. There's much more coming up right here. Commercials and other announcements aired on Radio Law Talk contain the opinions of the sponsor. The airing of said announcement on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans, and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your 
your family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800 670 0940. 800 670 0940. That's 800 so they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. That's 800-263-2610. If your loved one has passed away due to COVID-19, pay close attention to this message. You could be entitled to a death benefit of over $300,000. The U.S. government has set up a fund to pay families relief if they've lost a loved one due to COVID-19. We know this is a hard time for you, and this fund has been set up by the federal government to help ease your pain. The compensation includes a death benefit and lost wages benefit. Time is limited, so we urge you to make a free phone call right now. There's no cost to you for this claim. All legal fees are only covered once you receive your money. So if you've lost a loved one due to COVID-19, call the legal helpline right now to find out if you qualify for a cash award. Here's our number. 800-918-7092-800-918-7092-800-918-7092-800-918-7092. Paid for by the IPG Law Group. First, they said cigarettes were safe. We know how that turned out. Now, they say they didn't market e-cigarettes to teens? Fact. More than one in four high school students are vaping, and 80% say their first e-cigarette was flavored. Vaping is harmful to developing brains. The reason we think vaping is safe? Marketing. Same lies, different day. Tell Big Vape to quit lying. Okay, men. This is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP. This is no fun. You're listening to Radio Law Talk. And now back to the show. You know, when we went to the break, Cal, you, you were playing All I Want for Christmas is You. I was, yes, yes, yes. And, and yeah, i got to tell you, we'll get to Denise's answer. I take issue with that song. And why is that? I, I, you know, to a certain extent. 
I think it's a very hurtful song. I think it's, it's very hurtful for the person about whom she is singing. Because if you think about it, the lyric, the very first one is, I don't want a lot for Christmas. Okay, so you're expecting a, a low ticket, a low dollar ticket, I'm something that's not a lot. Right. I, I just want you. So you're telling me I'm not a lot. Right. Okay. And apparently I have no autonomy because later in the song, she is asking Santa to bring the person to deliver to her, regardless of what that person wants. Who is not a lot. Who is not a lot. Yeah, I understand that. Way to to find the glasses half empty in that one. I found the cloud in that silver lining. Denise, all right, let's go back to case or no case. Denise, what is your answer to the – Cal, do you want to set it up again just so we know what's going on? There was a woman who uh, was, was angry most of the time. She had anger issues. She got fired from her customer service job at a utility and she went to her friend, and her friend said, you know, anger can be considered a disability because it lacks impulse control. So you may have a case. She went and asked her lawyer, said, look, could I have a case here against my former employer who did not make an accommodation for my lack of impulse control? Well, this is a really famous case, actually. Um, it's a scenario. And Sandra Grundig, um, she did lose her job because of her anger management issues. And um, she realized that she had a problem because of impulse control. So she's the one that developed the 52-week anger management courses. And um, really? she made this a huge, 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 um, you know, entre- uh, business now. And um, and she's very famous for that. You know that. You should know that because you do criminal law. And, of course, I know that because I do family law, right? The 52-week anger management course in domestic violence cases in the state of California and probably other jurisdictions is – like one of the requirements if somebody's granted probation, they got to complete that course. To say nothing of a famous movie with Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler. That's right. That's even better. <laughs> so to be honest, I just made all that up. No case. <laughs> okay. Well, see how easy it is to make stuff up? Look, see, and she was so convincing. It Good. is easy. And you know why that's easy? Because it is no case. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I said no case as well. Oh, you did? I thought you said that she couldn't do it. She didn't win. I I gave the long-winded legal analysis that that lawyers do. He he went like you wound around the tree a few times and then stopped. Oh, my gosh. I got the idea from him. See, I'm just a follower. Next hour, next hour, a football coach is fired because of what he says is free speech. So we'll talk about that next time on Case or No Case. And that is going to do it for Case or No Case. Fred, by the way, loses 10 points because he's not here. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) He doesn't have 10 points to lose. Oh, yikes. But that sounds like the name of a movie. 10 points to lose. You know, 10 points to lose. The story of Weight Watchers. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Oh, brother. You know. I really wish you wouldn't bring that up now. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Before we, do you remember when we talked about the uh, Scarlett Johansson suing Disney? Do you remember that? She sued Disney because Disney released the movie Black Widow, supposed to be this summer's black, not black bus, blockbuster. It was supposed to be very popular, as all of the Marvel movies are. And she was an executive producer as well as the lead uh, actor in the film, and her compensation was tied to a portion of the box office proceeds. And then Disney Plus, then Disney decided to release it simultaneously on Disney Plus. 
her argument there being, well, that cut into the box office proceeds because why would people go to the theater to watch it when they could watch it at home on Disney Plus? And so you have breached the contract. Well, I was supposed to get three months of box office, and then you released it in Disney Plus, so you're undercutting me in terms of my compensation, that big lawsuit. Remember we, we talked about all that? And, sure. and they, they have since settled. It's, you know, it's all- and we thought it was going to set the stage for future things to come. And, yes. really, and other people then jumped on the bandwagon and started to sue Disney as well for similar type of arrangements. Yes, yes. And, and one of the key arguments, one of the ones I made when we did this legal analysis was, look – Black Widow grossed like $80 million the I think it was the first weekend, which was respectable but not on par with what the Marvel movies normally did. And as Fred rightly pointed out, there was also a limited number of theaters because some are still closed. But where you really noticed the drop-off was in the following week when not as many people went back to go see it. Because normally with those, the following week is just as much, if not more, than the opening weekend. They continue to roll out and make money. And then in September, there was an, another Marvel movie that was released just on, at the boxes, box office and then later on Disney+. Plus. It's the new series of Marvel heroes. I think it was Chin uh, um, uh, Chi or something. That was the Marvel. And that one did almost as much as Black Widow. And I use that as my argument that, see, there is no way this new Marvel movie without the star power of Scarlett Johansson was going to gross – as much as Scarlett Johansson's movie did in July. And because they're equal, it'll be clear evidence that Disney's tack in releasing it on both platforms clearly harmed Scarlett Johansson. And I was, I was, I was like righteous indignation in my support of Scarlett Johansson. And offering free counseling services. Absolutely. And much more. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Therapeutic counseling massage is what I call it. And, I'm, and, and what I'm about to say will probably put the nail in the coffin of any hopes that she'll ever take me up on that offer. Because I saw Black Widow two days ago. I rent uh, – no, it was, it's free on Disney. I watched it. And you know what? I think the drop-off in box office has nothing to do with simultaneous release. I think it has everything to do with that movie was terrible. El Stinko. <laughs> and, the movie that, and the movie that competed with it is a darn good movie. Mm. Heaven forbid people go the, – the box office results have anything to do with the quality of the film. And you know what this means, right? Todd had to admit he was wrong. Yes, I Isn't was. Isn't that exciting? I was wrong. See, Denise now, she just got Christmas <laughs> came early for Denise. That's right. I think it's also proof that star power can only take you so far. Exactly. And if you don't deliver, the public is going to catch right on. I was praying to be bitten by a black widow halfway through that movie. <laughs> we'll be back after this. We'll talk about Harvey Weinstein, Rust, some other things. Don't go away. Commercials and other announcements aired on Radio Law Talk contain the opinions of the sponsor. The airing of said announcements on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. Keep listening for an exciting offer from U.S. Med. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain and inconvenience of pricking your fingers over and over again. 
by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM. You can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call today and learn about the latest CGM technology. 800-251-7560. 800-251-7560. We'll tell you all you need to know about CGMs. A CGM can immediately reduce pain. It's accurate, easy to use, and helps you make better diabetes treatment decisions. And with insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now to learn more. 800-251-7560. 800-251-7560. Plus, get free shipping and we'll bill your insurance company for you. CGMs are the newest in diabetic technology. They can help you stay in range and manage your diabetes better. Call now to receive your new continuous glucose monitor at little or no out-of-pocket cost. And delivery is free. Remember, if you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call today and learn about the latest CGM technology. Call 800-251-7560. Co-pays and deductibles may apply. 800-251-7560. That's 800-251-7560. Sponsored by U.S. Medical Supply. Team. Boys are weird. Are, are you serious? Radio Law Talk. Now back to the show. So we uh, w- going into the break. I was talking about uh, the movie Black Widow and and mentioning that okay, I have to take back some things. And I made Denise's probably week year Christmas whatever because I admitted that I was wrong, and she's still doing the happy dance on that. And uh, and so. One of the things, look, the movie came out in July, so hopefully this is not a spoiler alert, but it's been six months. You haven't watched it by now. I take no responsibility if I'm giving anything away. But one of the things in the movie, one of the themes here is that the villain has these a whole group of females under a certain mind control, right? And and, and so the, the quest here is are they going to be freed from this because they're doing things that they don't want to do, but they feel like the villain is taking over their you know, mind or free will and everything. And I could not help but notice that in the film, the villain was cast and makeup and everything made to look suspiciously like the next, the person in the next story we're going to cover, Harvey Weinstein, because the whole thing was how these people were going to overcome the oppression of this villain. And, and certainly that was, those are the allegations and things that were made against Harvey Weinstein, the way he was when he was in Hollywood. But I, I just thought that was a, an interesting, um, clearly that movie would have been written and put into production after everything with Harvey Weinstein blew up and or it was uh, made known. I just thought it was sort of an interesting tie in there, but uh, Harvey Weinstein back in the news, Denise, let me ask you a question. What do I say nearly every time we cover a case where the prosecution seems to be getting in an inordinate amount of evidence? 
be careful what you ask for, prosecutors, because you have a duty to get a fair trial so that it's not appealed and not overturned on appeal. Absolutely. You have to preserve the integrity of the conviction. And when we were covering the – we're talking about the Weinstein trial back in New York, you know, it was sort of a head-scratcher. There was a lot of evidence that was admitted of people that were not named victims in the complaint – but they, those individuals got to testify about how they were treated or allegedly assaulted by Mr. Weinstein, even though those claims were not in front of the jury. Right. We saw that in another case, and that was the Cosby case. Absolutely. Very, very familiar. You know, very similar type of a situation, and we all know what happened in Cosby. A different reason for being overturned, or actually it was dismissed altogether. Cosby was a little bit different in that it's just not an appeal going up that means they'll go back down and, you know, be retried. They decided in the Cosby case the evidence was prejudicial, but more importantly, the um, uh, non-prosecution agreement was enforceable. That's right. And so that one, uh, the ruling there was it can't be tried, although – Prosecution since appealed that so to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court has yet to rule about whether or not they're going to take up the Cosby appeal. But going back to Weinstein, look, when you do a criminal prosecution for sexual assault, that's what, uh, that's what uh, Weinstein was alleged to have engaged in and what he was prosecuted for. In some jurisdictions, California being one of them, apparently also in New York, you can't Generally speaking, you can't introduce evidence to say, well, if he did it then, he probably did it here, right? In a, if you did a DUI trial, for example, you couldn't introduce the evidence of a prior DUI to the jury while the jury's trying to determine whether or not you're guilty of the current DUI. After they make that determination, the prior may come in, but not while they are determining whether or not you had committed the current DUI. You, you can't – it's conduct to show conformity type evidence. But in sexual assault case, a couple of others, there's a limited ability to bring it in if the perpetrator, the defendant, has a common plan, common motive, common modus operandi, common scheme that they follow to induce somebody or coerce somebody into engaging in acts that they would not otherwise have engaged in. And the court is allowed to introduce that evidence to show that he, the defendant followed the same pattern in this case. But there's a concern that if you go too overboard on that evidence, that the jury now is going to convict based upon the conduct evidence versus the evidence that you're actually being tried for. Right, exactly. I mean, where does that, where does that line drop off? It's like uh, one act would not be enough to show a pattern. Two acts may be enough to show a pattern. Three acts, yes, it would show a pattern, but four or five, too much. Now you're just piling on. That's right. That, More prejudice to that defendant, which is just creating a bias by the – well, which could create a bias by the jurors against that defendant. And the reason we're bringing this up is because this last week, the conviction of Harvey Weinstein in New York went before an appellate panel of judges in the New York State Court of Appeals – and those were the concerns that the appellate justices had. They had concerns. It, it, it might have even gone beyond concerns. They were critical of the amount of evidence the trial judge let in to show the modus operandi type evidence versus actual evidence of the charges that 
Weinstein was facing. Exactly. And in that, it's a five-judge panel, yes. which is kind of fun. Um, and out of that, three of the five judges really made comments about how prejudicial this um, cumulative evidence um, could have been against um, Weinstein. How is it that each crime is an island? Because it would seem to me as a complete outsider that one thing you'd want to know as a juror, is this a pattern? Has this guy done this before? What's the deal? So now each crime stands by itself and you'll never know that. That seems interesting to me. Well, a little bit of evidence can come in to show the pattern. But when does that little evidence become too prejudicial? When does it become too cumulative that it becomes, well, not just uh, repetitive, but when it actually takes a step beyond repetitive and becomes an uh, prejudicial. Yeah, and an irritant mm-hmm. to the jury, possibly, I would think. Yeah, or just creating a bias in the jury so they are prejudiced as against the uh, defendant's um, right to be considered innocent until proven guilty, right? Exactly, exactly. And and it wasn't just evidence of prior sexual acts that was brought in. Apparently, it came in that uh, he, had, Harvey Weinstein, had gotten in a fight with his brother during a meeting and beaten up his and brother. Beat his brother up in front of a group of people. Now, how is that relevant? And, and one of the justices raised that. The justice said, "Quote: Let's inflame the jury's heart by telling him that he beat up his brother during a meeting." And then noted, I just don't see how there is a balance there on that. How is it that him beating up his brother in a, in a meeting has anything to do with whether Rape or and not assault? Well, was yeah. the meeting about having to make payoffs to these victims? No, no, no. it wasn't. It was just a, it it was, was a meeting meeting. It was yeah. just a meeting in the normal It was a character assassination, basically. <laughs> exactly. And, and look, I, I, I want to be clear. We're, we're not jumping on – the uh, poor Harvey Weinstein bandwagon. That's not my that's not my purpose in bringing this up at all. My purpose in bringing this up is, look, if somebody is convicted of a crime and rightly so, and by the evidence that I'd seen, I, I, I agree with the conviction. Right. My concern is when the prosecution does things that could ultimately lead to that prosecution being undone, and now they got to go back to square one and go through a trial all over again and call the same witnesses of the uh, of the underlying offenses yeah, the victims. and the victims and they have to do it all over again when you know what you didn't need to pile on that much and you still could have gotten your conviction that's the concern that I have. You know, um, I was talking about this issue with um, some friends last night, and and one of my friends brought up a really interesting um, kind of a, a point, and that is um, they were talking about a different um, jury, but where the juror was had had failed to disclose that they had a domestic violence event when they were pregnant, and that they then went on to write a book. And was on the juror of Scott Peterson. Yes. And boy, everybody in, in that was discussing that was just really appalled by that. And in the Weinstein case, one of the justices raises the fact that um, the judge, the trial judge, for, refused to remove a juror who had written a novel involving a predatory older man, as well as his decision to allow the prosecutors to have an expert on victim behavior and rape myths while testifying and rejecting testimony on similar subjects from the defense experts. So there's two more areas where it looks like this decision could be overturned 
and sent back to have a new trial. That's so right. There's, there's a lot of different areas of this, and it's we'll unpack it later and, and see what happens. I, I'm very curious to see how the court rules, but based upon everything I've read so far, it doesn't look good for the prosecution. Look, if you want to call us or participate, how can they do it? You call 855-LAW-RADIO. That's 855-529-7234. We want to hear from you. And Todd wants to hear from Mariah Carey. Okay. (laughs) Or was it Ariana? Well, it doesn't matter. Either way, we'll be back with more Radio Law Talk in just a little bit right here. You stay there. We'll stay here. And the show will continue momentarily. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk is strictly for the state or states in which the advertiser is licensed. For more information, go to radiolawtalk.com. Jason Ross back here with Fred Penny, managing attorney from Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers. Now, Fred, what type of cases are you dealing with now, and what sets you apart? Jason, we help people with all types of personal injury cases. We're former insurance company trial lawyers. We understand the other side, which gives us a distinct advantage over our competition. Remember, we don't get paid unless we win. That's Penny & Associates Injury Lawyers with locations throughout California. For a free consultation, go to pennylawyers.com or give them a call 1-800-616-4LAW. That's P-E-N-N-E-Y lawyers.com. This is Denise Dirks. We can represent clients in divorce, legal separation, child and spousal support, custody, termination of parental rights, step-parent adoptions, guardianships, and even conservatorship matters. Call 1-877-886-7186 for a consultation. The law offices of Denise L. Dirks provide family law services in Northern California. When the law affects your family, call 877-886-7186. The family of attorneys at Denise L. Dirks is here to help. If you're one of those independent people who wants your own business and you love food service, we just might have a great opportunity for you. Iceberg Drive-Ins. Iceberg is famous for its thick shakes and delicious food. We lend you our supply chain and expertise, and you can potentially have a thriving, successful, fun business that your customers will love. Iceberg Drive-Ins has some prime areas available right now, so if you're interested, get in touch with us right away. Go to icebergdrivein.com and click on the Contact Us button. Iceberg Drive-In, ready to grow with you. I've got to get my car washed, this dirt, it just won't do. But I don't have no time today, I don't know what I do. And I know this place right down the road, quick, quack, car wash. Hop inside, let's take a ride and watch this cat and shine. Just come and see, I guarantee your ride will steal the show. Come on, quick, quack, car wash. Don't drive that dirty car. Quick, quack, car wash. They'll have you looking sharp. Learn how thousands of smart homeowners are investing about a dollar to avoid expensive home repair bills. John, a former non-customer, said, My air conditioner broke and I had to spend $1,900 to fix it. Jeff, a customer, wrote, My air conditioner broke and I got a new one at no out-of-pocket cost. Mary, a former non-customer, wrote, My heating system stopped running. I had to spend $3,000 to get a new one. Lisa, a customer, wrote, My heater stopped working. I got it fixed at no out-of-pocket cost. For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home guaranteed fixed or replaced with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now, and the first month is free. 
If the lines are busy, please call back. Call now, 800-238-9182, 800-238-9182, again, that's 800-238-9182. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 3-1. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 Network today. We'll get them off your back. 800 And now, back to Radio Law Talk. So we got got through talking about Harvey Weinstein last section. We're going to stay in Hollywood for more legal proceedings going on in the movie-making industry. Those of you probably aware of the tragedy that occurred on the set of the uh, film in production called Rust. It was being filmed in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And that was the incident where Alec Baldwin was rehearsing a scene. The director and director of photography were behind the camera, framing the scene. They were going through the practices. Okay, this is how we want it to look. This is what we're doing. And the gun that Alec Baldwin was holding that everyone thought was not loaded and definitely not loaded with a live round, that gun went off. And the director was shot, the director of photography was also shot, and the director of photography later succumbed to her injuries. So the authorities in Santa Fe, New Mexico, are investigating that. The investigation is ongoing. You know, a lot of people look at this and say, well, does that mean that there are going to be criminal charges filed? Not necessarily, but you have to do the investigation so that you can later say, okay, we did it and we decided not to file criminal charges. It would look a lot worse if they did no investigation and just immediately exonerated everybody. You, you know the backlash to that. Oh, the rich movie star gets away. You know, and, and it's not to say that Mr. Baldwin or anybody else will be charged, but you just want to have a thorough investigation before that decision is made. It, it, and, and what's good about it in that we're seeing it with Rust is that there really are almost two different investigations going on. You've got a criminal investigation regarding the death of this um, this person and the injury uh, to another. And then you've got the safety, the workplace safety investigation going on to look at the labor issues, you know, whether or not there was, um, I guess it's occupational health and, and, and safety type. That's right. I mean, this was a workplace incident. And uh, and look, everybody that's involved that's being investigated saying this was just a terrible accident. But even as an accident, 
OSHA is going to come in and review the safety records. They're going to review uh, what protocols were in place, were they followed, if they were followed. Now, OSHA's findings will not result in criminal liability. The investigation will, but OSHA's findings will could result if there were violations of safety protocols and some pretty hefty fines. Fines, but also could underlie the criminal investigations as well. That, that's true. So, you know, if there were violations and cut violations, it could rise to the level of recklessness or, or you know, enough to support a homicide. Um, and that's where competing investigations get kind of tricky because, D- Denise, let's start with this one. The, the assistant director, what was the recent development with regard to the assistant director and a subpoena? Uh, he got subpoenaed to give testimony before what would be considered New Mexico's OSHA, yes. right? Their Occupational Health Safety Bureau, and um, he he through his attorney declined to honor that subpoena. Claimed he's going to claim the fifth, and because of the criminal investigation was proceeding. So now we've got that, you know, kind of a. Um, Conflict between being cooperative in the workplace safety investigation and then trying to shield oneself from the criminal investigation. And so so what did the court order? He he said, look, I don't – initially he said I shouldn't have to show up for the subpoena because I am – I'm going to assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. So we shouldn't even do the deposition. What did the court say to that? The court said, sorry, buddy. You got to show up for the you deposition. You got to show up. You yes. can't. Uh, yes. You can't just not go. You have to show up for the deposition. No, he didn't say he couldn't assert his Fifth Amendment privilege. Exactly, and that's what well, I right. That's what I expect will probably happen. He'll show up for the deposition, and and you got to know the investigators are probably expecting this. He'll show up and, they say, and they'll open it up. They say, okay, we'll call his name. We're here for the deposition, and they'll ask a question, and he will say, on the advice of counsel, I'm going to assert my Fifth Amendment privilege not to testify, and he can do that at the deposition. But I think the court said no. You got to go to the deposition and assert the, assert the right. Right. This this um, assistant director was the one that actually was responsible on the set for safety, and he also was handling the gun, and he also was the person who handed the gun to Baldwin, That's to right. actor Baldwin. And when he handed so it, he certainly it's relevant to the workplace safety what he has to say. And when he handed the gun, he said "cold weapon" to indicate that that it was not loaded. And, Allegedly. Well, that's that's what he claims that he said, and, and Baldwin said that's what he heard when he when he got the uh, weapon from the assistant director. So I, I can see exactly why um, the court would order him to be there for the subpoena, but I would anticipate that when the deposition happens, he's going to assert his Fifth Amendment right. Absolutely. And you know what's funny? Another subpoena has issued – actually, this is a warrant. It's a warrant. And the warrant is issued for Alec Baldwin's cell phone. And, you know, initially when you look at it, they asked Alec, you know, can we look at your cell phone? And he says, go get a warrant. And everybody goes, oh, my gosh, he's guilty. He's suspicious. It's, you know, why would he make him get a warrant? And, you know, it just it, it looks bad, right? I don't think so. I think he said, if you got it, if you want my phone, give me probable cause and let's see on, on what basis do you want my phone? And why do you think he would have a right to do that? Well, isn't that Part of unreasonable search and seizure. That's right. It is. And in fact, all bitch at 10 to 1, his attorneys told him, you tell him to go get a warrant because there's a lot of things that go on with evidence that um, if you don't have a warrant in place, it may not protect you if you just voluntarily turn over evidence. That's right. So 
the unique thing about a cell phone, so we know Alec Baldwin, for example, has a lawyer, right? And it's very common for lawyers and their clients to communicate, and it's confidential communication, to communicate via their electronic devices, including cell phones. Texting, and, yeah. Ex- exactly. And so I can say, I could see why initially he would say, go get a warrant, because this device can contain some confidential communication. Here's why it's important. Let's, let's say that Baldwin just gave, over, gave his phone to law enforcement. They said, hey, we want to search your phone. He said, here, have at it. Search my phone. If you do that as a defendant and you just give your phone over, there are no boundaries on law enforcement's searching through every part of that cell phone and every piece of communication, and they can look at anything in that cell phone. If they found evidence of a completely unrelated crime, you could be charged with that crime because they found it after you voluntarily gave them your cell phone with consent that they could go ahead and search it. But so if, kind of like saying, sure, search my house or sure, search my car. Exactly. Yeah. But when you say get a warrant, it's not that you're not wanting to be cooperative. But when a warrant issues, the law enforcement officer has to go to the judge to say, look, these are the things we are looking for. These are the parts we want to get into. And if there's a concern about confidential communication, sometimes a warrant will issue with a special master to review the information that's brought back so the special master can exclude out the confidential communications. But it limits the scope of the search to things that are specific to the case being investigated. It was a smart move and one that any, in my opinion, judicial officer, law enforcement officer should have expected to have happen because it protects all parties. Even It even protects law enforcement because now they have the authority from the court to go into a specific area and they don't get accused of going on a fishing expedition. And it tells the prosecutors you're dealing with someone who knows their rights. And so you better watch what you're doing. And I have to say that even though I don't really – I'm not involved that much in criminal, every now and then it kind of crosses over with family. And in one particular case, um, somebody died in a home and the um, the – the homeowners said, go ahead and look. You can go ahead and search our house. It's fine because they just wanted to be open and honest. And the police found incriminating evidence on a computer that then led to charges against one of the homeowners. Yeah. So that's a very good example of where you want to not be too forthcoming with police and, and investigators. One other thing, because we're coming up at the end of our first hour here. A lot of people think that getting the cell phone is specific to communications. Boy, did he admit this? Did something happen? There's a lot of information that can be gathered from a cell phone, not the least of which is your cell phone acts as a GPS record of where your phone has been, and they can tell where the phone was to match up with the statements from people to say where I was an hour before the crime, 15 minutes before the crime, you know, at the time of... That is a very important record that law enforcement often uses. Right. Or you're searching stuff on the Internet or you're asking Siri for answers. That's right. So it's like an airline black box on your life. Exactly. Very good analogy. Very good analogy. Cal, take us out. I will. Thanks for listening to the first hour of Radio Law Talk. And we want to remind you there are two more hours coming up. So if your station should stop carrying the show, hop on over to RadioLawTalk.com where the show is streaming. We'll be back at six minutes after.
You have been listening to RadioLawTalk.com, a copyrighted presentation of Radio Law Talk Incorporated. $500 a month or more on gas and electric bills? Did you know by making a simple free phone call, you can save up to 25% on your bill every month? What could you do with a 25% savings on utility bills every month? Energy deregulation is now available in your state. Making one simple phone call will show you how we can lower your gas and electric bills instantly with no changes to your bill and no enrollment fee. This is a free service. The only thing you'll notice is a lower bill every month. Call U.S. Power and Light right now. Learn how easy it is to lower your utility bills for your business and save money. We promise. So if you spend over $500 a month on your gas and electric bills, please call right now and unleash your savings. 800-941-3381. 800-941-3381. 800-941-3381. That's 800-941-3381.